0: who would your pickup basketball player be if you want to win and you can't lose and game is won? I'm going with
1: KD before she said.
0: "Mm."
2: I would go Kyrie Irving just Mm -hmm. because his handles alone. I think Kyrie's one of the best, or if not the best, one-on-one basketball player in the
1: league. Kyrie's a better one-on-one player than Kevin Durant.
2: Ooh, that's tough. I
0: know both of them play in Brooklyn, though.
2: What's up, what's up? Welcome to Certified Buckets, the can't miss NBA podcast where we hit on all things hoops and culture brought to you by Uninterrupted. I'm your girl, Ashley Nicole Moss. You may have seen me on Sports Illustrated, here on Certified Buckets, SNY during the NBA season, covering all the New York teams and the best New York team, the New York Knicks. How about them Knicks? How about them Cowboys? I know you guys see them killing it in the NFL, but this is a Hoops podcast, so I'll keep all of that to myself, although Dak Prescott is QB number one. But I am not here solo dolo. I got Lethal Shooter. I got Christian tell the people a little bit about yourselves lethal you go first
1: what's going everybody's chris matthews a lot of you know me as lethal shooter um i'm training your favorite shooters favorite shooter you guys might know me for a lot of my trick shots and going viral on instagram
0: what's up y'all i'm christian winfield aka chris blush i'm the senior nba writer and brooklyn Nets beat report at the new york daily news which means i'm probably covering your favorite basketball team right now unless your name is ashley because we know she's a <laughs> Knicks fan.
2: Actual facts. That's not my favorite basketball team. I stick to the other <laughs> side of the bridge. But thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. And before we get started, make sure you subscribe to our podcast wherever you happen to be listening. Get at us also on social media at Certified Buckets. There's no vowels in the word buckets because we are too cool for all of that. But we're not too cool for Instagram and Twitter. Instagram is working again, so make sure you follow us. Like I said, interact with us, slide in the DMs, and maybe you'll hear your comments on the air. All right, so let's kick things off with a segment we like to call Three on Five. All right, y'all, trade Ball, it's time for our host to go Three on Five. So, going into the season, the Los Angeles Lakers, shout out to LA, the West Coast. Are the heavy favorites to come out of the West, however, they were the favorites last year, and they didn't make it. The Phoenix Suns ended up ousting the Lakers in the first round and went on to win the conference. Christian outside of l a, which team has the best chance to win the West this year?
0: You, you know, Ashley, I'm glad you brought up the suns because I wanted to make a, a point real quick let's let's remember. The the Suns got to the finals because they beat up on an injured Lakers team. Then they beat up on an injured... shot, shot. Hold on, no, no. (laughs) Then they beat up on an injured Nuggets team, right? Did the Nuggets have Jamal Murray or not? Then they beat up on an injured Clippers team, too. Wow. Am I right or But listen, wrong? listen, 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 Am listen. I, right I got to hold
2: on. Hold on. Before you finish, before you finish your thought, I got to stop you right there for two reasons. Oh One is because winning a championship, the Bucs did it. The Bucs went through an injured East as well. But Phil Absolutely. Jackson said it best. Winning a championship is 50% talent and 50% sure. luck. And the luck is staying healthy. And let's go back a season or two to the bubble I remember the Lakers having a relatively very easy path to the finals because they also dealt with a lot of teams that were injured or just not in the right mind space being in the environment that the bubble was. So it is part of the game, you know, taking advantage of your enemy, if you will, if we think in terms of war, taking advantage of their weaknesses.
0: These are facts. However, I think in a level playing field, the Suns are not going to be as as dominant as we saw them in the postseason last year. I do have a couple other teams that I do think – may stand a little bit of a better chance. Now, when you ask me what team has a better chance of making the, or has a good chance outside of the Lakers of making the finals in the West, that makes me think, okay, well, which team has the best chance of beating the Lakers in a seven-game series, right? Because you're not going to the finals if you're not the Lakers, unless you beat the Lakers. Uh, so I've got a couple of teams. Number one, uh, I think the Jazz are going to be a team that surprises a lot of people this year. I've had them as a dark horse for, for quite a long time. Um, and I believe two years ago, they had an injury to, uh, to Bojan Bogdanovic that set them back. I, and we're talking health health aside, right? If everybody's healthy, I think we see another step forward from Donovan Mitchell this year. I think we see that pairing between Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley smooth out this year. We saw the, that rough patch in Utah last year. And they had some good additions. They bring in Rudy Gay and they bring, bring in Hassan Whiteside. And that's that's really good for them in terms of adding some depth. So I like what they did. Um, I love what the Nuggets did. Uh, number one, if you get a healthy Jamal Murray back, I mean, that just adds another dimension to to your offense. You pay Michael Porter Jr., right? And I just love their roster. You bring in a guy like Jeff Green. They've got so many different pieces. I think they can stack up. Um, And then I love the Warriors as well. You get Klay Thompson back. Hopefully he's healthy. Andrew Wiggins. And and I'll wrap it up here. I think the Warriors are a team that we have to watch closer to the trade deadline. I don't think they're done. Uh, I think they're a team that you have to watch out for. If if things go wrong in Washington, Bradley Beal could be on the move. If things go wrong in Chicago, Zach Levine could be on the move. And uh, I think the Warriors are a team that, that are just waiting to add that piece because they're a piece away from really contending. But in short, I don't think anyone's going to really take down the Lakers. I think it's the Lakers' uh, champion, at least the Lakers' Lakers Western Conference championship to lose.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, I definitely, you know, I always include the Clippers in the conversation. I think you have to. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, those are all-stars. Kawhi Leonard has been to a championship before. He knows what it takes. I think also, you know, we got to give credit where credit is due. I know a lot of the times we like to talk about, you know, way off P or, you know, backboard or no backboard P or whatever it is you want to call him. But he really showcased that he could hold his own, especially in the last playoffs, um, you know, with Kawhi being hurt and not being able to participate like, you know, it would have made a huge difference if he had. So I think, you know, with Serge Ibaka and I'm looking, you know, also you have Reggie Jackson, you have Terrence Mann, you have some guys on there that could really be beneficial in, in helping them make a run. Now, again, for the Clippers, it's just really been about the chemistry or lack thereof, right? They never seem to really be on the same page because you can never get those guys all on the court at the same time and consistently enough to go ahead and build that chemistry. So it's going to be interesting to see. You know, I think Ty Lu is the right coach for the situation, although, you know, I've been very critical of Ty and saying how much of a coach is he actually is he more of a game manager and things like that i think he also kind of proved people wrong you know in in spurts and i think this is the season that really you can really start to see if all those pieces are together this should be a team that can give the lakers a hard time
0: i think the clippers are also a piece away you know um and i think i've mentioned that piece before they should trade for john wall asap if you can keep Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and add John Wall to that mix. They need to do that before Philly does it. because That's Philly's a hefty running out of contract options.
2: to pick up. That's a Listen, hefty you, contract to you, pick you up. You got
0: to win. Winning costs money. You got to pay the price.
2: Lethal, how are you feeling about it? You know the Lakers. You live in L.A. You know what those conversations are like. Do you think that realistically, <laughs> is there anybody in the West that can really give them a hard time?
1: yeah I, I think i might agree with you with the clippers i think they've learned their lesson and and like you said they, they were never on the same page last season it seems like something was always off seemed like somebody was not happy with that person this person wasn't happy with that person and i think you know as we've been seeing in the preseason and even in the summer it looks like they've done more team stuff together um looks like they're getting a better bond and i feel like this team is is more than ready to compete with the lakers and, and try to take over to see who the real team is in la um, I think the second team um, to piggyback off Chris is probably the Nuggets as well. Like, I, I like the Nuggets. I love the Nuggets. I love what they're putting together there, especially how professional that franchise is. I agree with you with the Phil Jackson 50-50 with the Suns. I, I don't care if the other team was missing all their superstars. A win is a win. So I don't want to doubt the Suns as well because they have Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker. And those guys, those two together are just remarkable. So to me, I would say if somebody's supposed to win, it, it should be the Clippers. But those other two teams that we named, they're, they're more than capable as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, anytime you have a team with LeBron James on it, you always expect it to, you know, go far and to do Absolutely. well, right? right? I think that that's not an outlandish take. I think that's relatively a safe take. Yeah. Um, what Any team that he's ever been on, whether it was the Cavs or Miami, if LeBron's on the squad, you expect them to be in the championship or at least the conference finals. So I don't think that's, you know, like I said, that outlandish. But I will say, you know, it's interesting how much – basketball enthusiasts and and analysts and and these media you know talking heads much like we are put on <laughs> on youth right and availability and then kind of contradict themselves when LeBron is now on a team that on paper a lot of big names hall of famers let's let's call it what it is it's five hall of famers and that's starting five But they're not young. That's an old team. So now all of a sudden that ideology about youth and that being the most important factor is now out the window because you have a whole list of names and one of those names includes LeBron James. I always find that interesting that we pick and choose when that rule applies to certain teams.
0: You know, that's funny because... When you look at the way the Nets built their roster, yes, you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. You've got the OGs. You've got LaMarcus Aldridge and, and and Blake Griffin and Paul Millsap. But that bottom half of the roster is built out with young players. You know, you got a Cam Thomas. You've got a Nick Claxton. You've got all those draft picks. You've got a De'Ron Sharp. You've got guys that can potentially come in to contribute. So it's fun, it's fun to see what Brooklyn is doing. Yeah, they're competing now, but they're also building a core that might still be in Brooklyn three to five years from now.
2: All right, so now we're going to head over to the best coast. That's the East Coast, East Side. Make some noise. And that is where the reigning champs, the Milwaukee Bucks, call home. And look, the Nets are healthy now, and that's a game changer. And a lot of people have them as the favorite to come out of the East, much like they had them last season. But are people forgetting about the reigning champs, the Bucks? Are they not giving them their proper
0: due? I was in Milwaukee for that series. I was on the road when the Nets went out there and the Nets had the Bucks basically dead in the water. I think they mm. had just beaten them by like something close to 50. It was bad. And, and then Kyrie Irving lands on Giannis's ankle or lands on his foot. And the entire series changes from there. Um, and then you could start feeling and seeing, you can really just sense the Bucks gaining confidence. And then even still with Kyrie Irving out with James Harden on one leg the Bucs still needed the seventh game, right? That had to still go to game seven because Kevin Durant is that damn good. I, that's the only one way to put it. So, I mean, yes, you in one way, you do have to respect the Bucks for being able to get it done, right? To being able to close out a guy like KD on his own home floor. But then when you just look at the team the Nets have put together, I mean... Outside of the big three, they add a guy like Patty Mills. You bring in a guy like James Johnson, who's obviously going to be guarding Giannis if they play each other. You know what I'm saying? You you get you bring back Lamarcus Aldridge, you bring back Paul Millsap, you bring in Paul Millsat. There's just so many weapons that the Nets have. Uh, it's tough for me to see the Bucks beating them in a seven-game series when they barely were able to do it last year.
2: Are you concerned though about health? Because I'm not. So I'm not worried about Kevin Durant. I think Kevin sure. Durant's durability has been proven, and it's been proven time again especially coming off of an Achilles, you know, injury at his age and still being able to play to that level is not an easy thing to do. So sure. Kevin Durant is the least of Brooklyn's concerns. James Harden has it had had issues with injuries. Let's let's sure. say what it is. Kyrie Irving outside of, you know, the COVID issue and the vaccination has also had injury ridden season. So are you at all nervous? Yes, you have a supporting cast, but let's call a spade a spade. That team heavily relies on their big three. That is the forefront of their success. Yes, you have guys who can give you 10 points, you know, can live on the boards and give you a couple of those and you can go ahead and help you, you know, defensively and stuff like that. But if you don't have your big three, you are at a drastic disadvantage because of how this team was constructed. If you take Kyrie Irving out of the equation, which at least for the time being, it looks like he's going to be out of the equation, then you're putting a lot more stress on Kevin Durant and James Harden. Like I said, KD is really not your concern. James might be a concern because that's extra time you're expecting from him, and he's had injuries that have kept him out of big series and big games. You're not concerned?
0: Well I mean you there's a level of concern with everybody who steps on the floor right anybody could get hurt you know what I'm saying? Tomorrow, Kemba Walker could step out on the floor for a, for a preseason game and, and tear his ACL and the season is over. We're
2: knocking on wood. That's not going to happen wood. to Kemba. God, why would you Lee, say Chris? Kemba?
0: Knocking on, knocking on wood, but I'm why saying... Would you no, say but, Kemba? No, but listen, because... No, we're talking about Don't drastic me. injuries to star players on teams that we're discussing. But
2: why Kemba? Why was that the first name that came out your mouth?
0: Why, why you didn't say a Brooklyn Nets player? I had to hit <laughs> home for you. This is the only way you understand, Ash, if I talk in language that you understand. Your team star player could go down tomorrow. Then what happens? Then it's a whole different story. You have to adjust. The Nets have put together a roster, and this is where you got to tip your hat to Sean Marks. Look, Kyrie Irving could go down tomorrow, and Patty Mills steps up. James yes. Harden can go down tomorrow. And now you've also got a guy named Cam Thomas. And I'm not trying to jack Cam Thomas as a second coming, but this guy has already shown that he can score. And on top of that, you have a roster already where that allows you to play big or play small to play different ways. This team can play so many different ways that it's like, yo, if somebody goes down, think about this. The Big Three only played eight games together last year. Mm. And they still were able to close out the season. And yes, things happen in the playoffs. If, if guys go down in the playoffs, then oh well. It, it's just part but of I what happens. But
2: I think comparing it to last season is a little bit different. It was a pandemic season. It it was weird. It wasn't normal. Um, Again, a lot of injuries, a lot of, you know, teams were not at full strength, which made it even easier for a team like the Nets, who was already more dominant and really didn't have the time to gel, you know, due to injuries and things like that, to just overpower their opponent, right? But now you're looking at the East of how it is at this current moment. I think the teams, there are a lot of other teams in the East that are way more complete in terms of how they're constructed, if something were to happen to that "quote unquote" star player, I'm going to use the Knicks for an example. The Knicks have a bunch of star players, right? You have Kemba, you have Evan now, you have Julius Randall, you have R.J. Barrett. But listen, what are we
0: calling stars now? Because first of all, relax, put some respect. Julius Randall. What are respect, doing? Julius Randall is, <laughs> is an All Star. You said Evan was the second name that you said. Evan is a star. <laughs>
2: Evan was balling the Olympics. Just because
0: you pay him a lot of money does not make him a star.
2: Whatever. He's a star <laughs> on our team. Let's, but all I'm simply saying exactly. is if you, if you take those guys out of the equation, right, the team is still constructed to be able to do really well Stop without it. them. It, it it's now. true. You take Evan Fournier out of the equation.
0: If you take all of them out of the equation. No, I'm saying
2: if you take one or if you take one guy out of the equation due to injury, the sure. team can still do really well because of how it's constructed without the Knicks are a defensive heavy team. So taking a scorer off the court due to injury, it does not make or break them necessarily. My concern and my concern always has been with the Brooklyn Nets is yes, they are much more complete than they were, say, last season. But they also are very front loaded, which means that that big three is a big part of their success. And when you start removing pieces from that equation, whether it's James Harden, whether it's Kyrie Irving, you start changing the formula that this team was created with. That is supposed to be the reason that they're so successful.
0: I mean I feel like number 1 that's the same for any team right like if you take Julius Randle out of your out off the out of the equation mm. for you guys you have to start slowly changing the way things that you do because you're it's not running as, the offense I don't think it's Julius as Randle drastic
2: anymore. on other teams you look at you look at the Milwaukee Bucks for example they have a really powerful bench that a lot of people were concerned about right when they traded away a lot of pieces for Drew Holiday but I think that if you take Giannis out of the equation now will they be a championship team without Giannis absolutely not but that team can win without Giannis for a certain amount of time right. in a, and in if a you series. Take,
0: if you take Kyrie Irving off the floor, right, because that is a likely scenario, James Harden and Kevin Durant are more than most teams have at their disposal anyway. What so happens when you take James Harden off the floor? So so now we're taking more than one player no, off the floor. No, what I'm saying is
2: take Kyrie out of the equation because Kyrie is is not it's not about injury with Kyrie right now it's outside of that so just, let's pretend Kyrie's not there because that may be a situation you may be dealing with that situation that, that,
0: that is a likely so situation. now you're no, down to two book.
2: you're down right. to two let's take Kyrie out like I said because now you're down to two. you have Katie and you have James Harden you take James Harden out of there, that equation can the Brooklyn Nets win a championship
0: I mean if you take any team's best two players two of the if you take two of any team's best three players out of out of the equation can they win a championship probably not
2: Lethal, let me ask you, you take, let's say you have LeBron James, but you take out Anthony Davis and uh, Carmelo Anthony. And
0: Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook, because <laughs> let's make it even. Hi, look at look at how easy it is for them to create different
1: narratives for the same. It's crazy.
2: Okay, let's take out Anthony Davis. Let's take out Anthony Davis and Westbrook. Can the Lakers still win a championship? No.
1: I mean, Le- LeBron has showed us he's very capable of, of carrying a team, so I wouldn't doubt him. No, I wouldn't doubt him, no.
0: What happened in the first round last year? He couldn't get by them in the games that he didn't have Anthony Davis on and then he got hurt and it was over. So it's, there's no way, there's no, one player does not win a championship, right?
2: I mean, of course, but he would have a supporting. Listen, all I'm simply saying is that my biggest concern has always been with the Brooklyn Nets that they, they put a lot into three players yeah. and they didn't really think about the team in totality. And that's not, you know, me speaking out of, as a Knicks fan. That's me just speaking as a basketball enthusiast. I feel like they front-loaded that team and didn't really think about the things that could happen and do happen through the course of a season and we've seen it. We've seen what happens when you have... Katie should not be out there playing 45 minutes a game. That's asinine. It's,
0: it's what has to happen when your best players go down. And if that's the case, then the Lakers did the same thing. Mm. The Lakers also front-loaded their team. Most most teams wish they could front-load their teams, but they can't because team players aren't interested in going to their teams.
2: Okay, we're throwing shade. But listen, on the topic of injuries, it's now topic number three. And injuries were a huge narrative in the NBA discourse last season. Now we're getting players like Jamal Murray back, Klay Thompson, one of my personal favorites, is back. And we may also have a Kawhi sighting at some point. We've seen him at, you know, Rams games. We've seen him at the Clippers, you know, playoff run. He wasn't playing, but he was there. Um, I gotta ask the both of you guys: Which player coming back from injury do you think will have the most impact for his team? For me personally, it's Clay Thompson. But you know, I think you know when you have the Splash Brothers and you're missing one of the brothers, it just doesn't hit quite the same. I think Steph is very happy to have Clay back. I'm hoping and wishing Clay a very long and healthy, successful season. Basketball same. is better when he's playing in this league. Basketball Bass. is better when you, his highlights are across your timeline. Um, And I think he's going to be a huge impact for the Warriors, and we're probably going to see them somewhat back to the Warriors that we're accustomed to seeing. Obviously, it's not going to be like the Kevin Durant era, but it's definitely going to be the era that we're accustomed to seeing from, or the type of basketball that we're accustomed to seeing from the the Warriors. So who are you guys guys feeling coming back?
1: I would have to agree with you. I'm going with Klay Thompson, man. This guy, he's been hanging out with his dog all the last few (laughs) few months, hanging out (laughs) in the lakes. He's just... He's Love been Clay. getting up shots. He's been looking depressed on social media that he missed basketball so much. So I'm going to go with Clay. And if you guys notice, too, even the way that the Warriors are posting now, it looks like the, the the practices look fun again. Like guys are hitting threes, running around, and, and Draymond is running around tackling people again. And I think that's what they were missing because Steph Curry is going to be Steph. But it's mm. kind of hard – to be Batman without Robin. So I feel like with Klay Thompson on the floor, spreading the floor for Steph Curry to really get to what he wants, it's going to be hard for defenses to really key in on Steph Curry, which they were able to do last season. And Steph was still dropping buckets. Right. So imagine when Klay Thompson comes back, the the, the way the floor is going to spread. Most importantly, people are sleeping on what's going to help with Draymond. Draymond is literally going to find these guys like, 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 Tom Brady. So yeah. I'm excited to see Clay Thompson go to work, and like you say, I'm 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 one of his biggest fans as well. We both went to Washington State together. We were recruited by Tony Bennett. I left before, and Tony left before, but Tony Bennett uh, recruited me and Clay Thompson. So I'm a huge fan of uh, Clay. Fire. Yeah.
2: I want to ask you this because you know injuries are are, are a fickle thing, right? And there are right. some injuries obviously that are worse than others. But when you have such an injury that keeps you out, something like an ACL or an Achilles that is a season ender, what's the mentality like of rehabbing that to come back and to be able to play at the level that you were playing before the injury? But then also and lethal, I'm going to ask you this like. How is it as a player you have to overcome that mentality that your body is ready physically, but you're mentally like, okay, I don't want to get hurt again. I can't move like this because this is what happened last time. Or if I move like this, we see it in football all the time. Like Dak Prescott, after his ankle was broken, he said, look, I can't, I'm not going to run like I was running before. And you even see when he's in that pocket he most of the time throws the ball away. He doesn't even leave the pocket, except this last game we saw against Carolina. He left twice, but he's a little bit more apprehensive with running. And you see that a lot. The game of a certain player sometimes changes and they're not as fearless. Is that something that is detrimental to a team or is it just an adjustment?
1: Well, it depends on who you have help. the person. You know, when teams hire me to help players with their jump shot and they might have a bad ankle or a bad knee or coming back from a bad shoulder, Um, there's different things that you can do as a coach and a trainer to make the person comfortable. And once that person starts getting comfortable, what you do is, you know, if somebody has a bad ankle, this might sound gruesome, but like If they're doing a shooting drill, you might act like you're going to jump under their ankle, like put your foot up under there and mess with them. If somebody has a bad shoulder, you might you don't tap it hard, but you might like tap the shoulder a little bit to see if they reject the way. Or let's say I had a client before a team hired me. He got poked in the eye. You can you can do a drill where they're shooting and you're literally doing this. And if they're still in shock, you have to like take your time, because like you're saying, Ash, you know, with certain certain injuries, if that person is still seeing that injury happen, they're not mm-hmm. going to be at the hundred percent. So you got to make sure the preparation and and what they're doing in the back end that they're they they're they're just fearless. And a good example is what you said. I think it might have been Ashley you, where you said, "Well, Kevin Durant came back from fearless. Achilles injury. He just he's yeah. just fearless." So fearless. that shows in the off season um, when he was um, getting himself together that in drills he just didn't give a fuck. And what you have yeah, right. to do as an athlete, you know, when those type of injuries happen, you just have to look at it as like, hey, it happened for me to get back or even better. And Kobe's a great example for, mm. for you to get back even better. You got to work harder than you worked before in your life. You have to lock in and you have to understand that nothing's going to stop you. And that's why the best athletes, it's crazy that they come back better after injuries.
2: Yeah, I'm go- yeah. I'm definitely going to be interested to see of everybody, Klay Thompson, because those yeah. injuries happen back to back. And yeah, one happened in tough. a simple in a simple open gym that he was just trying to get shots up and they were back to back. Literally you just finished rehabbing one and now you're starting from zero again. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see if that changes his movements, if that changes his level of fearlessness, you know, going out there and doing the things that we're accustomed to seeing him do because now it's like, yo, I just had two major injuries back to back. I'm not trying to go through this a third time. And like you said, it's the difference maker between the guys who come back better than they were or guys who come back and they, and they were a shell or they're a shell of themselves.
0: You know, I got to actually cover um, one player who went through a really gruesome injury, um, Karis LeVert. I think you guys Mm -hmm. remember when he dislocated his ankle. um, I think that was in Minnesota. And what helped him was that and what I'm assuming is going to help some of these other guys that we named is that that wasn't his first injury. You know, he mm-hmm. had dealt with leg injuries in college. He had a, a, a thumb injury. He had a bunch of different injuries and just haven't gone through that process before, which is another reason why I think Kawhi is going to come back and really supercharge the Clippers whenever he does. Right. He's been through it already. You know, they right. already know what it's going to take. They already know what's on the other side. So uh, I'm happy for, for Kawhi. I can't wait for him to come back. I think him coming back really puts the Clippers in a chance to uh, compete with the Lakers, like you said, Lethal.
2: All right, well, topic number four, you can't talk about fearless without talking about the villain of MSG, and that is Trey Young because him and his Atlanta Hawks, they shocked the world. They shocked my New York Knicks, and they made the Eastern Conference Finals as a fifth seed last year, but I'm going to ask you, Lethal, do you think that they are a one-and-done, a one-trick pony, a climate of beginner's luck, if you will, or are they a legitimate contending team in the East, and could they possibly get the crown?
1: I don't think they're a one-trick pony only because uh, the foundation that Lloyd Pierce left behind um, especially was a good foundation because that team was ready for anything. Their mental toughness was high. And then for Nate McMillan to come in with the same type of philosophy to understand that uh, what this team was needed to go to the next level, I truly think they're going to come back better because Trey Young – He's shown us, like you're saying before, you know, in the garden, he's shown us any type of pressure. He's he's ready for it. Like how many athletes in the NBA can go into the garden, talk shit to the crowd and still perform? Not a and lot. And still perform. I mean, this guy had people throwing beer and spitting on him and he was still knocking down. Which I don't shot. condone, so, which I don't yeah, condone. Yeah, we, we don't condone that at all, especially on this podcast. But the one thing that that told us was, I mean, he's prepared. So I feel like they're a contender. Me Saying that they're going to win the East, I don't know just yet. I feel like they probably got to maybe in about two more years. I think they'll be ready because their youth to be more understanding of the game. Not saying they don't understand it, but it's a little bit more to win the East, especially with um, Kevin Durant and all those other teams who are who have a lot of uh, backtrack with the playoffs. But I mean, who knows? But I, I would never sleep on the Hawks, especially having Trey Young. This guy's pulling from the parking lot. Yeah, I'm not sure. sleep
0: on the Hawks. I'm sleep on them as anything more than a second round exit. And, and this is why. You know, I, I I love their roster, but they didn't necessarily improve their roster. So they're uh, banking yeah. on player improvement year over year, which is possible, right? You've got a guy like Kevin Herter. You've got Bogdan Bogdanovich. you got Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter. You've got guys that can improve year over year. But in terms of adding new pieces, all they did was add, what, uh, uh, ex net Timotei Luau-Cabarro. He was at the end of the bench. Uh, Gorgie Jang. Just looking at their roster, they didn't necessarily improve. And then when you look at, Other teams, especially in the East, you know, you look at the Celtics, who I think they're going to have a great year this year just because of their new head coaching change. You bring in Ime Udoka, uh, the Nets and Bucks speak for themselves. The Heat are coming, right? You've got the Bulls are coming. The Knicks are, are, I think the Knicks are going to be better this year than they were last year, even if they don't keep the fourth seed. They're going to be that team you don't want to see in the playoffs because, you know, Trey Young is going to try to go for 30 uh, every night, maybe 40 every night. But I don't see them as being able to take that next step uh, in the playoffs because they didn't take that next step on their roster.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think the Hawks are definitely that wild card team that you're not you're trying to avoid not because they're a better team than you, but because you really don't know what to expect when you play them. Right. And sometimes those are the most dangerous teams because as you know, anything ha- can happen in the playoffs and anything does happen in the playoffs. I you know, to Trey Young's credit, you know, much like Lethal said, it's hard to gar- go into the Garden. It's especially right. hard to go into the Garden in right. an environment where that team hasn't seen a playoff series in 8 years. So you are dealing with a lot of hyped up fans, a lot of hyped up New Yorkers who eat, breathe, sleep the New York Knicks. It's it's a hard space to play in. It's a lot of noise. It's a lot of... You know, um, banter. It's a lot of name calling. And I give him credit for him being able to go in there and still perform. A lot of people can't do it. We talk about Ben Simmons, who has a different mentality. Things rattle him a little bit more. Even Julius Randle, and he was playing at home, said he let the crowd affect him. Like, he was overwhelmed. So, for somebody like Trey Young, who's on the visiting team, the opponent, who, you know, the fans are not there cheering for you. They don't want to see you do well. To go in there and just be able to block that all out is definitely impressive. But I agree with you, Chris. They didn't really make any improvements. Um, They're basically the same team. They didn't really adhere to any of their downfalls, the things, the holes in their game. I kind of feel the same, you know, going to another football reference. I feel the same way about the Kansas City Chiefs. They didn't adhere Mm -hmm. to their defensive needs, which is showcasing every time they play. Because people already know what you can do offensively. Mm -hmm. Defense is how you stop them. And it's kind of the same Philosophy in Atlanta, they didn't really do anything to make them unstoppable, and to make people be like, "All right, this is this is not what we saw on the film last year. What the hell is this? What are we gonna do? You know, what what? We, oh, Trey Young added this to his game. All right, well, I don't know how to guard this. I mean, kind of know what to expect. That is now not to say that they can't ruin your playoff hopes because they posi- they can. They you yeah. saw them do it to my team, but
0: and the Philly, they they beat Philly. That's tough.
2: So it's definitely gonna be interesting. I will say, for the first time in a long time and i'm thoroughly enjoying it the east is wide open Yo. i know you have your favorites obviously the nets are the favorites the bucks are the favorites as the reigning champs but i, I think for the first time too. in yeah. a long time there is yeah. a lot more competition and it's yeah. a lot more uncharted waters that you can enter into that may provide a different outcome than we are anticipating and i like yeah. it it was so Absolutely. lopsided for such a long time
0: right i did some i did some quick math there are 12 teams in the east that could feasibly make the playoffs I'll just go down the list real quick Nets Bucks Heat Sixers Celtics Bulls Knicks Hawks Wizards Pacers Hornets Raptors all those teams especially at the bottom those teams are going to be in the play-in it, it's, it's going to be it's an exciting time to be in the Eastern Conference anybody mm-hmm. that can go anywhere until you run into the Bucks or the Nets that is
2: right. yeah okay well <laughs> on yeah. that note I'm just moving facts. on <laughs> <laughs> Our final topic to round out three on five, an anonymous GM poll was released to the media yesterday. Gotta love those anonymous polls and those anonymous quotes and sources where NBA GMs gave their takes as to who were the best players at each position, the best offseason moves, and who will win the big prize, the NBA championship. Guys, Christian, I'm going to start with you as a writer. What is your biggest takeaway from this list, which I have to say is completely just a mess. <laughs> like it's a mess.
0: It, the the list is definitely a mess. The list is definitely a mess. But there is one constant throughout the list, right? And and that's Kevin Durant. You know, 3 years ago, we we saw or well, maybe it was 4 years ago, we saw Kevin Durant hit so clutch shots in back-to-back finals. To really, really cement those series for the for the Warriors, and then we watched him fall off the face of the earth because he he ruptured his Achilles and he was out for a year. Mm. And in that year, how many different best players in the world did we have? There was Kawhi was the best for a second, then there was LeBron was the best, and now Giannis is the MVP. Right? so so now for for Kevin Durant to have come back and uh, really put the Nets on his back last year, then the Nets got as far as they did with him. Um, and then to go overseas and win a gold medal in Tokyo and then come back and get his flowers, not just from the GMs, but from Sports Illustrated, also from ESPN. Both of them put him as the as the number one basketball player in the world. Um, it's just amazing. It shows you just how talented of a dude he is. And uh, I think all these GMs are, are, are looking five years down because if he's playing this way now, when he becomes a free agent in 2026, those GMs are going to be lining up like, huh, Kevin Durant, 40 years old? Let's, I think let's it's, take a try. I think, it's,
2: yeah. I think it's interesting. I think, I mean, this whole list is really interesting. One of the things that really stuck out to me was if you were starting a franchise today and could sign any player in the NBA, who would it be? And <laughs> number one and number two is Luka at number one at 43% and wow. Giannis... At number two, at 40%, which is crazy wow. to me that the reigning two time MVP, championship MVP, NBA champion is not somebody that you would want to go ahead and build your franchise. Love Luca, huge fan of Luca. I think he's going to be a star. He is a star already. He's only going to burn brighter. But I mean, come on, like Luca yeah. hasn't had an an ounce of the success Giannis has.
1: I think they might be doing this because of age. We all know that Luca's young, Giannis is a little young. We all know that if Kevin Durant and LeBron were seven, eight years younger, they'll be at the top.
0: Who would you build the franchise around, Giannis or, or Luca? Whose bag would you bet on? You know what I'm saying? Ooh. You got that, that pensive look.
1: I would probably only because of the way the NBA is now, that how they're allowing people to just... Not I don't want to say do whatever, but just bully ball. I would just go with probably Giannis right now. And mm-hmm. then um it depends on who's around him. but Giannis has shown us that he's just relentless. Not, Luca has yeah. shown that as well. But I just think uh, you know, Giannis is going 110 miles an hour, so I would I would yeah. it's easy to put slower guys around Giannis because I, I just like how hard he's going, you know. Yeah. I'm not saying Luca isn't, but I would I would go with Giannis.
2: I For did sure. I did find it interesting, you know. There were some things in this list that were a little weird. Like, for example, the positions that they put some of these players at was just all over the place. I mean, they had LeBron playing every position from the one to the four. Like, it was really... I was like, "Mm," you know, Giannis is not a true center. I think he plays most of his games as a power forward. So for for him to be in that conversation is a little weird. But I did find it interesting that Jaron Jackson from Memphis... Mm. Comes in at 17% for the player that most likely is going to have a breakout season, and that's above Anthony Edwards at 13%, Michael Porter Jr. at 10%, John Morant is at 7%, which Mm. I think is crazy. 7% 7% John Morant like did we not see that th- he barely missed the all-star game and that was a different that's a different conversation
1: I think this is a reason why they don't ever put who did these whoever did these like they know <laughs> that the heat is coming
2: oh for sure yeah I would be I would and the fact that this is I think what is more worrisome to me is that this was a GM surveyed yeah some, yeah so you are your job is to generally manage a basketball franchise Uh right and these are some of the numbers that you guys come up with but you have to realize some gms
1: some gms might like might not like certain guys so they might see their name and say fuck them you know what that's I mean? That's a good point. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, I will defend the Jaron Jackson pick. Uh, he only played in a handful of games last year. I believe he like tore his meniscus or something like that. And I yeah. think we, I think John Morant's had his breakout season, right? I think we know he's a star what? right now. What? I, so
2: I don't think, I don't.
0: I think John Morant has broken out onto the scene.
1: We know John Morant is I don't, think he's, had, is right I don't think he's
2: had his breakout season yet.
1: What? So you mean to tell me what John Morant did last year? You're saying that's the, that's, that's it.
2: That's his, that's his threshold.
0: No, but we know, we know that what he That ain't is no now. breakout season for him, I think he's oh going to do goodness. more. Wow. That's him that, just playing. That's high praise. That's high praise. That's,
2: yeah. that's him just playing at his ability. I feel you I
0: feel
1: y'all. He, he doesn't even understand the game. And he's doing what he's doing. Now. And, and neither does Jaron
0: Jackson. Jaron Jackson is young. I don't think we've seen his full potential either. I think there's more room for growth with him as well. So
1: you're a GM. You got the number one pick. Who are you going with, John ja Moran or Jaron Jackson? That's not the question.
0: is <laughs> having a breakout season. I'm, I next. know, but I'm asking you. I'm who you? going with John ja Moran ten times okay. out of ten. That's not even the question. The question okay. is who's going to have a breakout season. And I think okay. from going from from nothing, which we didn't really see much of Jaron Jackson last year, to oh, now,
1: I get it. I get I get his perspective now. Ash yeah. Nobody really oh, saw okay. Jaron. So when you yeah. Yeah. see him yeah we get it we get it he's getting real technical with us come on now uh.
2: before we move on from this conversation one more question that i want to ask you guys i find this one really interesting as well is which okay. player forces coaches to Ooh. make the most adjustments lethal i'm going to ask you from a game perspective from a trainer perspective steph curry came in at 27 percent kevin Durant came in at 20%. LeBron James at 17%, so they rounded out the top 3. Out yeah, of those guys, me. would you say that that order is legit or would you say that it's a little bit out of whack? I'll say
1: that seems about legit. It seems like Chris Paul might have a might be the same, you know what I mean, where, you know, he has a lot of call in those type of decisions. So, I I would say that seems about right, because we know LeBron, he's doing he's doing what he wants. Not does what he wants, but he's going to make his own call. So I agree with those numbers.
0: Where where does Giannis rank on that list? Because he's at
2: number five at 10%. Yeah. That's rated right below James Harden, who's at 13%. I,
0: I think Giannis forces entire defenses to collapse on him anytime he has the ball. You have to literally build a wall for that man anytime he's trying to drive. So I, I would have him higher on that list. But I mean, either way, that just goes to show you how talented this league is because there are some guys you just can't guard with five players out there you you need coaches you need scouts you need fans tweeting to tell you what to do it's tough cool so that does it for three on five let's see what's popping on the timeline
2: you know what time it is it's time to scroll down the timeline it's on the tl
0: Boom, here's something that happened. Instagram and Facebook went down. What What did y'all do? Did, were y'all trying to, for me, it was kind of like muscle memory. I would keep trying to go back to Instagram, even though I know it wasn't going to load up. Was it like that for y'all? What, what did y'all do when, when it was down?
2: Nah, honestly, I'm going to keep it a buck. I didn't even know it crashed.
0: Oh, <laughs> Ashley's so busy,
1: she's not even no, no, no. checking the gram. Here's the
2: thing, because I went on in the morning, and it was working, because it didn't crash until like 11... Thirty-ish, I want to mm. say. She
1: knows the exact so, time, by
2: the way. So right. she is. So I, I, <laughs> are
0: we on the same page, Lethal?
2: Because I also I was because I read a New York Times article about it, and it was doing the countdown of how many oh, hours okay. that it had mm, been down. Okay. So oh. when I went on, it was working, and I didn't try to go back one until maybe like two something when I realized everyone on Twitter was talking about like it not working, and also Twitter was like overly popping more than normal. So I was like, "What's going on?" So I went to Insta <laughs> to see if like there was something happening, and I realized I couldn't load it. And I was fine. I enjoyed the day, not having to look at Instagram, not having to post on Instagram, not having yeah. people ask me, "Can you repost this from you on your store?" Can't do it. It's down. <laughs> <laughs>
1: She's so big time, right,
0: <laughs> Letha? What you do? Did you did you notice
1: uh, it? Yeah, I noticed it. But like I, like like you were saying, like we we have busy days. You know, I'm not really people might think i'm on instagram a lot of the day a lot of the day but i'm actually handling business and it it was funny to me how people were just acting like it was the end of the world i think i saw people were saying like i just realized how addicted i am to instagram and da, da. Right. then i see some people just just complaining about it. it's just like just just go on about your day have fun then when it's back you know just just going about your day it's not it's not the end of the world of instagram's down for for a few hours
2: how do you guys feel about there was this tweet going around and people oh, are brother. what they what they do they copy and paste tweets and they retweet them over and over like we saw it the first 20 times you don't got to keep doing it <laughs> But how do you guys feel about that conversation? Like every time Instagram goes down, people start ragging on influencers and saying that's why they should have real jobs because Instagram <laughs> won't be around forever. And da, da, da. Hater. And, influence and influencers are like, why are you guys such haters? We make money off of Instagram. Why does that have anything to do? How do you guys feel about Instagram influencers and in that whole conversation?
1: I just feel like that, that shows how some people don't know how to think out of the box. You know, it's, it's right. nothing wrong with... Using social media—that's like saying, "Okay, the TV networks went down for the day. Ellen should go find a real job." Like, right. like, like <laughs> everybody is doing stuff in their certain fields So, like, I, like me, I don't, I don't knock what other people do. So, you know, if somebody's making money off social media, do to them. If somebody's making money working at a normal job uh, at a store, toodles for them. That's like saying if the store uh lights went off oh you shouldn't be working in the cvs that's why you should have another job like just it's like everybody's just always picking at people
2: jay-z said it best what you eat don't make me shit so and
1: (laughs) And apparently what we eat makes nikola
0: vucevic shit because he went on twitter and this is what he said wouldn't it be great and if you don't know who nikola vucevic is this is the the old orlando magic all-star big man who got traded to chicago torched the net's time and time again the nets couldn't guard him uh he goes on twitter at 2 p.m uh, on october 4th and says wouldn't it be great if instagram just stayed down forever not just not for a week not for a month forever so we could go to events without people recording every second of it for their stories nikola vucevic you're a hater number one if someone <laughs> wants to be on their phone recording an event so that they can keep it for themselves for the future who are you to tell us, to tell me, I like to record live events. I, I want to I have that moment for later. Who are you to tell me, no, nah, I shouldn't do that So because it makes you feel like,
2: what? Instagram being down forever is a little bit dramatic, but I do understand the latter part of that tweet. It There's nothing wrong with recording for your memories and taking pictures and all that stuff. I think that there's a level to that though. I personally hate when, you're at the club or you're at a party or you're at a concert and people are seemingly to be on their phones more than they're enjoying the space sure. that they're in. They're taking selfies, they're on the video filming themselves, rapping to the lyrics instead of watching, you know, Jay-Z perform it in front of him. They're recording this, they're recording that. There's like a level of just enjoying the moment that you're in. Sure. And not being consumed about putting it on your story. And I don't know if it's an age thing. I don't know if as you get older, you kind of get out of that and you enjoy more of the space and actually living in the moment. It could be that. It could be when you're younger, it's all the hype of social and you want everyone to see that you're there and da 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 da. I don't know. The older that I get, I personally hate it because I'm just like, everything does not have to be seen by everybody. But when I was younger, I was definitely guilty of this. So I think it's just a growth thing. I don't know. It probably
0: is.
1: I don't know. I feel like, honestly, it just shows the lack of knowledge uh, that he's speaking on. Because the NBA has, one of the, biggest, <laughs> the NBA has one of the lethal. biggest biggest platforms <laughs> in the world. And if it wasn't for Instagram and certain pages, they wouldn't even be get the ratings they get for TV. So right. the, the NBA is what they are because of social media. Imagine if there wasn't no social media. Imagine how many leagues and how many platforms wouldn't be getting the drive that they get if you look at it people like kevin hart and the rock they they're able to 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 get more views on movies because they promote it on their instagram so it's more you know don't let instagram use you you use instagram
2: but i will take it playing devil's advocate okay and i will say i can understand why he or any other person in a public space Could be like, I don't mind if Instagram never comes back. Because there's a, like I said, there's a level. right James Harden should be able to kick it with the baby or little baby and it not be on social media so that at the time the Rockets can be like, well, how come you didn't show up to practice? There's a level of, it's just intrusive on their free time and it feels like you're almost like a caged animal. So Mm. from that standpoint, I can understand it because people don't have the the respect to kind of feel like or to rather in move in a space where it's like okay i'm going to record their event but i'm not going to record what lebron's doing in the corner with his homeboys that's none of my business people don't have that level of respect and space and that sometimes blurs the line
1: i think that's been happening before social Mm -hmm. media so let's say michael jackson michael jackson there was no instagram there was no it was paparazzi. Facebook. There was no, but the thing you have to understand is people were still taking pictures back then of of those. That's why he had to move around the way he moved around. That comes with the level of success.
2: It was a little bit different though, because think about think about what Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods were doing in the Vegas clubs with Charles Barkley. Right. We right. only right. know a small percentage of that because it was talked about in documentaries. Now, if that right. happened in 2021, right. we would know everything. We would well, see that's what it. happens when the, IG, the each... girls that he was messing with would be like, "I just slept with Tiger Woods," and right, like right. it would be everywhere. You know right. what I mean?
0: If if you're paying attention to what other people are doing at a live event instead of paying attention to the event itself, you just said that quote, Ash. You said then, that quote. Then you're then you're part of the problem in my book. <laughs> so next up on the timeline, I I know y'all seen Squid Game. It's no way, either you saw it or you heard of it, you know what I'm saying, one way or another, the word Squid Game done come across your screen uh, sometime in the last week, and for good reason, it's, it's a good show, you should, you should check it out. Uh, somebody else who thinks it's a good show is, is YouTuber Mark Phillips, I saw this on Twitter, if you don't know Mark Phillips, uh, he's, he's on Twitter, he's on Instagram, as I think Supreme Dreams underscore one, crazy dude, he does like riffs and parodies of everything, I think he had one video <laughs> that continues to have me weak to this day, where he was like, this is what it's like working at Popeye's, and everybody was cooking their chicken, and he was just like yelling at everybody, it's hilarious go check him out but he had a hilarious video uh on on twitter about and he captioned it if black people were in squid game and it was just basically how black people would win the squid game because the squid game in that in that case would be a basketball game and we all know black people are known for playing basketball pretty well i got a little mini story i watched episode one with a friend right and we didn't have enough time to watch episode two so I told friend her Friend hey, is female Yeah, this, this, is a, this is a lady friend <laughs> I watched I watched episode one with a lady friend and, and we she had to dip and I was like okay, cool I'm gonna watch episode two right now and she was like no, don't watch it without me I was like okay, here's what we'll do I watch episode two here now you watch episode two at home and we could watch episode three together and move from there She didn't watch episode two and I never heard from her again so I binge watched the entire series the next day That's how good that show is and, and it's just been picked up all over the place on social media. The the gist of the show basically is there's a, a lot of money. at stake. that they, they round up a lot of people who are either in debt. Uh, well, there's no either. You're in debt. You're in so much debt that you can't pay it off. And They give you an opportunity to compete in kids' games, basically kids' games uh, that you played at home, that you played when you were little. Instead, these games are for money, uh, and there's obviously a twist to it, and whoever comes out at the end uh, wins all the money. There's about like $46 billion uh, won, whatever it is, And the And the
2: games have dire consequences. Yeah, and
0: we're not going to go into the consequences, because I'm not here to spoil this show. And
2: it's roughly, it's 44. 5 billion won which is about yeah. 45 or 47 million u.s yeah
0: dollars. you said billion yeah.
1: chris i don't think no
0: 47 uh, no the, the billion won versus the how converts, won? yeah there it, it, it is converts yeah a yeah, million yeah. like 45 and, and million and so so the gist of it is you 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 you. some some of the games you have teams and some of the games you they're individual but for for what we're talking about we we, we want to put together an nba squid game right like if we had to bet on Call it three players or maybe one player. I don't know if you guys want to. You could do three players, two players, one player. We'll start with one player. If you had to pick one player to win you a squid game, right who who would you pick and why and, and for this for the purpose of this game the squid game is is pickup basketball who would your who would your pickup basketball player be if you want to win and you can't lose and game is one
1: one-on-one yeah pick up one-on-one I'm going with KD before she said I'm going mm. uh, no
2: yeah I would go Kyrie Irving just because his mm-hmm. handles alone I think Kyrie's one of the best or if not the best one-on-one basketball player in the league
1: so K- yeah. K- Kyrie's a better one-on-one player than Kevin Durant
2: Ooh, that's tough. Oh, I
0: know both of them. I know both of them play in New in Brooklyn, though. And I know the next third best one on one player also plays in Brooklyn because you're probably going James Harden after I would, that. I would, I
2: would, I would, I would give one on one. I would give Kyrie a slight edge over KD because his handles,
1: his handles are remarkable, but seven foot seven foot house cap is gonna block any of the shots or stop him.
2: he's gonna cross them up what you mean
1: <laughs> it's <is laughs> tough you know who he's i gonna would want
2: stop him Euro stop him all day <laughs> here's who i want for my
0: squid game in a one-on-one and this is just shouting out a legend i got jamal crawford uh over anybody mm. i think jamal crawford is gonna it's gonna take somebody's heart so if i if i if i had to if i was betting on anybody to win me $45 million in the one-on-one game. Okay. Yo, Jamal, you could take 80% of that. You can have it. I just want the 20%. <laughs> it. You got 92%. I just want it's my 8%. Not,
2: if the challenge is, let's just do overall, who would you want as your Squid Game partner? Let's okay. just say it's not basketball related, it's just, right? It's, it's, just it's like kind games. of the games and stuff that okay. they're playing. Who would you want That's as your Squid question. Game partner? For me personally... I'm going Allen Iverson because Iverson is an athlete. He can play sure. multiple sports. He was really good at football. He was phenomenal at basketball. I'm pretty sure if he had to, he could play a little baseball. He's just a true athlete. Yeah. So if I had to pick someone to just be my overall squid game partner, I'm going AI for that reason. I'm, go-
1: I'm going with Giannis. Okay. That's, that's a good pick.
2: What if, you have a, what if you have a challenge that requires someone to be small? And to get oh, into a little damn. space, then Giannis I, can't help games, you.
1: Th- what games did we play as a kid that we had to be in? Small what if you had
2: to go through the little tunnel in the jungle gym, the slide? Giannis is going to get stuck in the slide. How's he going to come out?
0: I don't know. He, I know who I You'd would have pick. to
2: push him out. I know.
0: Now I know. You know, eighty percent of competition is mental. So I would go with the smartest basketball player I've had the the pleasure of interviewing and covering, and that's Malcolm Brogdon. I, I think if I put my money on Malcolm Brogdon, we we taking that money home. So mm. yeah that's you that's know that's what? i'm right definitely winning
2: squid game with ai we're about to yeah. we're about i to. don't i
0: don't think ai is gonna show up
2: move it along chris don't diss him move it along all right, that's
0: my guy <laughs> shout out to ai hampton va legend you know what i'm saying i'm not from hampton va but i grew up there shout out to hampton university uh the illustrious um next up on on the timeline i mean we've got nicknames right i mean all of us have our own nicknames lethal shooter that's a nickname for your real name the lakers have come up with a nickname for for their big three of Anthony Davis, uh, LeBron James, and and Russell Westbrook. And it's called 360 uh, because A, Anthony Davis wears three, LeBron wears six, and, and Westbrook wears zero. But B, it's called 360 because some guy tweeted this out. Well, not some guy. Excuse me, some somewhat happy Lakers fan with the with the handle Oprahside Clark. Don't know what that is, but his he thinks the Lakers called themselves the big the Lakers big three called themselves three sixty because and I quote they're gonna be running circles around the rest of the league. Uh, what do you guys? Is this a good nickname? I mean, we've got we've got a, a picture here with the of them three holding themselves with the parental advisory uh, logo like it's a mixtape. Uh, what do you guys rate the nickname 360 for, for A D
1: Braun and Westbrook? It's okay. I mean, I yeah. My like, mom taught uh, yeah. my mom
2: taught me if you don't have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Yeah. <laughs> oh okay.
1: I feel like for those three killers right there, we could come up with something a little bit more better than 360. Like yeah. I think we could come up with something like like I don't know, like, you know, I don't know, but 360, not it. I don't think that's it either. I, yeah. I, I, I give think that,
2: that I give that nickname a D minus. There was uh, no yeah. thought or creativity. I, that. I think I
0: would have to agree with that. Ash, this is this is this is bad. It looks like they they were. I think what happened is this was like photo day, and they had to take yeah. pictures. And I think. In it was that Media moment, Day, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was Media Day, and they were taking pictures. And I think in that moment, LeBron had the bright idea. No,
1: I think that's the one where LeBron did place AD on one side and yeah. Russ over there. And, yeah. And, and
0: it, it strikes me as just that a spur of the moment idea that yeah. had no thought or planning going into it. And now yeah. they're stuck with the name 360, unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, it's 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 a no. Um,
2: <laughs> what are your what are some of your favorite NBA nicknames? One of mine is is the Bad Boy Pistons.
0: Oh, for sure! Mm. Shout out to Rick Mahorn, Bad Boy Horn, Hampton University alum. You know the vibes.
2: Detroit basketball. Yes, yeah, sir. That was just one of the hardest nicknames ever. It's just such a gangster, like you know the bad boys and the bad boys. I want to know who gave
0: who gave Colin Sexton and Darius Garland the nickname of Sexland. <laughs> right, I don't think number one they're not. I don't think they're good enough to have a a duo, a duo nickname like that. And number two, I I just don't think that's that's what it should be. Yeah.
2: I love Splash Brothers. That's a dope yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's one funny. of my yeah. favorite nicknames, and it's because really, if you ask Knicks fans, we don't really know what it meant. Knicks tape. I have no idea what that meant.
1: Mm, when it was yeah. the J.R. Smith Carmelo. When the J.R. Yeah. Smith
2: Carmelo Anthony era, is it like instead of mixtape, it's Nick's tape exactly? Yeah. What does the nickname but That's we ran it. with it for years? Yeah. We had It
0: was fire. It made sense. It, it rolled up. We off had the tongue. no
2: idea what it meant, but we yeah. ran with it. What
0: what would our nickname be?
2: What what we call ourselves? We, we got a big three, three. right here.
0: Uh, Come on, no,
1: Lito, no. give us some. I don't know. Ashley, you got to come up with this one.
2: uh, What do you mean? Um, Oh,
1: goodness. Um, What would
2: our nickname be?
1: Oh,
0: man. This is bad. We can't come up with our own nickname. We over here trashing 360. At least they came up with something.
2: Walking buckets? I don't know. Oh, that's not bad. I mean, we're kind of all walking buckets in our respective field.
0: These are facts. I think that we're going to do what should have been done and give us some thought. You know what I'm saying? Let's give this some thought and come back next week with a real nickname that we can call ourselves. But what we can also
2: do is if, you know, our listeners have any suggestions on what our nickname should be. Facts. Go ahead and comment, tweet at us, at Certified Buckets. That is no vowels in the word buckets because we're too cool for all that. And let us know <laughs> what our nicknames should be. And, and we can right. go ahead and run with that for the rest of the season because we're struggling. We just Str- don't yeah. want 360. Just don't anything, give us 360.
0: Anything but that. And now, you know what I'm saying? Chris Blash has to check out and checking in a Certified Crypto Boy here. You know what I'm saying? we Right now we're, we're tapping into NFTs because obviously, you, if you heard the news not too long ago, uh, the NFL is about to launch its own version of NBA Top Shot. Right. So I'm going to break everything down really quickly, really succinctly. Hopefully you, you guys can, can keep up. An NFT stands for a non fungible token. Right. That basically turns anything into unique and rare. I can take uh, my brush right here that I'm holding, uh, take a picture of it. Uh, and upload it onto a website and make it an NFT and sell that for whatever someone is willing to buy it for, because that is the only picture of this brush right here that I have. And it makes it rare. Basically what the NBA did was turn their moments into NFTs, right? So that LeBron James chase down block on Andre Iguodala in the NBA finals, NBA top shot allows someone to own that moment. Right mm. NBA top shot allows someone to own the moment of of Kevin Durant hitting that crazy turnaround shot uh, against the Bucks in the second round last year. NBA top shot allows different people it allows fans to engage with moments like they've never been been able to before. and on top of that, those moments increase or decrease in value based on the player's performance in a way, if I'm understanding it correctly, say, for example, you go get a cam Thomas NFT of a shot that he hit. Uh, against the Lakers not too long ago, you can now, now if Cam Thompson becomes an all-star in five years, that NFT or that top shot is going to increase in value because he himself has increased in value. The NFL is launching its own similar NFL top shot. Uh, Here's Crypto Cam. Shout out to Crypto Cam, just for the, just for the, for the, for the, for the name that you got on Twitter. Here he says, looks like we'll get an NFL NFT marketplace soon on the Flow blockchain by Dapper Labs. Dapper Labs is who creates these NFTs, and Flow, F L O W, is their crypto. You can go buy Flow right now. I think it's trading at $15 a piece. Um, It is expected to be released during the NFL regular season. NFTs are here to stay, I would agree. Um, So, yeah, knowing all that, first, let's start here. Is there a moment in in NBA history or in NFL history that either of you guys would want to own for yourselves?
1: I think it was that Giants game when the guy caught the— football with his helmet
0: oh yeah oh, that was a that was a great wow oh i hate my i hate as a jets fan it really pains me to talk about anything positive <laughs> about the giants but that was a great moment because they beat the patriots and the patriots are I mean, the his patriots name was david lo- tyree yeah. right david tyree yeah, david incredible tyree, pass yeah. from eli manning that that would be an incredible moment that moment I probably cost that. you that probably cost you a, a Great chunk of change, but yeah. you could own that moment for yourself. Ash, can you not pick a Cowboys moment, please? Is is it possible for you not to pick?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, one of my favorite. I mean, this is not <laughs> this is not the most nonviolent moment, but I thought it was a moment um the brawl between the denver nuggets and the knicks oh, with, oh carmelo. with carmelo <laughs> snuff
0: son oh man that would be that was that a would great bro i would
2: love an nft if that mellow came and
0: said
2: <laughs> and then backed up real quick <laughs> yeah
0: no that, that was, was a good OD. moment that, that was, was a moment uh, yeah and it was
2: funny because then years later he was in the he was in the garden as a new york nick you see how life comes at you full circle
0: yeah. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I know a lot of people asking if NFTs are just like a fad or if they're here to stay. Well, if you just look on social media, you know, Snoop changed his avatar, his, his Twitter avatar to an NFT. So did Shaq, So did Jay-Z, so did Steve Harvey, so did John mm-hmm. Wall, so did I. At some point I had NFTs that I had, I had some monkeys as my, uh, as my, uh, as my avatar. So wow. NFTs are here to stay and they will be worth a lot in the next 10, 15, 20 years. You should get into them. And, and one way that we're seeing NFTs being used now is you can just have a, a empty picture frame on your wall and it'll be digital and you can just have different NFT photos cycle in and out of that picture frame. You don't have to buy physical art anymore. You just got to buy a digital frame and your your virtual art can come in and out of that frame. It's, it's incredible stuff. I, I advise everybody to get into it. Now let's move on to our last thing on the timeline, and that's no time to die. Daniel Craig's final appearance as James Bond premieres this week in the U.S. And when asked his opinion on a female 007 following in his footsteps, his quote made some waves on Twitter. He said, there should simply be better parts for women and actors of color. Why should a woman play James Bond when there should be a part just as good as James Bond, but for women? So my question for both of you, and Ashley, I'll start with you. Number one, what do you think of of what he said? And number two, what actress in your mind do you think should be the next face of an action franchise?
2: I mean, I completely agree with what he said. I feel like as women, especially young women, you need those superheroes to look up to. You know, men have so many to choose from. You have Spider-Man. You have Batman. You have Aquaman. You have, you know, the list goes on and on. Flash, right. all those guys. Women, you know, those superheroes a little bit more, those those prominent, those strong women, um, kick-ass characters are a lot harder to come by. You know, you right. have Catwoman you have wonder woman but we need more i mean women are just as strong they're just as capable and young girls need to know and have someone to look up to that says you may not be able to fly you know that's not possible but you know everything that they represent in terms of character that's 100 percent possible and if you have someone as cool and, and sexy and sleuth and kick ass as james bond Why can't you have that for a woman? Why can't a woman be a super spy and going around kicking ass and having, you know, handsome guys, you know, lusting after her and wanting to be with her? And she's, you know, someone who's trusted to save the world and, you know, does it every single time. I think that's really important to see as to who I would like to see if it's a woman play a James Bond like character. Mm. Um, Halle Berry would be badass. Um, and she can make up for that terrible Catwoman movie that she gave us years ago. Um, yeah. Even though she's not a woman of color, I love Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot. I think she's mm. you know strong, and she was in the Israeli army, I believe. She's kick-ass. Um, I would love to see... I'm, I'm drawing a blank of her, her name right now. I can see her face in front of me. But there's just so many women that I think that could really do uh, a good job and bring that strong, powerful... Um, character that is played by a woman. Anne Hathaway would be dope. I know she's not a woman of color, Um, but there's so many out there that really deserve the opportunity to do so.
0: You know, something that you you had touched on earlier, it, it reminded me of when... Miles Morales was Spider Man, right? Mm. And and we we gave Spider Man a Puerto Rican face, and that just made so many people of color, you know, feel empowered and and see a superhero that looks like them, you know. And and I can't tell you what that did. What what having Chadwick Boseman uh, as the Black Black Panther Panther. did to see an actual person of color in there, and just to have a a woman or more women in roles like that would just be would be so far. Lethal, what you thinking?
1: I agree one hundred percent. I feel like today, um, women and little girls need, need to see as much as we can for them to just keep moving in the direction they're moving because there's some people that are trying their best to just downgrade the woman. And I feel like if it wasn't for the woman, you know, us men, we wouldn't be who we are today. And especially talking about our moms, our aunts, our, our cousins and stuff like that. So I, I agree, you know, I agree with Ash. Like I feel like we should normal characters that have probably have been men, you know, sometimes maybe hey, like she said, it doesn't have to be 007 because it's James Bond, right. but like give a woman character, hey, come up with a new character. I, I just I, I don't agree with how certain things are legendary movies or legendary TV shows and that same TV show they're completely changed the entire form of. I think you know, like she's saying like come up with come out with more characters for Marvel, come out with more characters that are females and that are strong women and and continue to show that because you know women are there i mean they're amazing and i feel like they should get more credit especially on tv
2: not only not only just you know from a superhero standpoint but just more roles that showcase women right. in powerful positions i think exactly. that a lot of the times women are kind of you know subjected to these roles have them that have them either depending on a man or they're somewhat you know successful on their own but they're still you know something's Mm -hmm. tied to a man i think one of the reasons i really loved how to get away with murder was because viola davis character was so powerful and she was such a badass like she was unapologetic she was outspoken she wasn't afraid to live in her truth I mean, her character was even, I believe, by at one point in the season, if I'm remembering mm-hmm. correctly, Olivia Pope. You know, Kerry Washington's character yeah. in Scandal, mm-hmm. another woman who wasn't afraid to be powerful and, and to make mistakes, but to own them and to own her, um, who she is. You know, when you look at some of the characters on Grey's Anatomy also, Rhimes mm-hmm. does a really good job in giving women of color um the opportunity to be seen in a different light and i think that's really important to know that you can be more than just somebody's girlfriend you can be more than somebody's wife you can be you know just a badass in Mm -hmm. your own right and we need to see that more especially for young girls growing up because there's a lot of things out there that tell you to subdue and to hide your power and to hide your capabilities and you know not to live um, fully out there and fully in your truth because you don't want to ruffle any feathers and we, we need more characters that are saying no go out there and be incredible and shake right. the world up and whoever has a problem with that let them have a problem with that but you don't cower right. it away for anyone and we need more of that for sure and, uh, and you
0: know who else does that 50 Cent Shout-outs to 50 and his Power Series. I know in, in Power Book, uh, Ghost, he put Mary J in a position to be a lead role. And, mm-hmm. and in Power Book 3, Raising Kanan, I hope I'm not mispronouncing her name, but Patina Miller, uh, she is just incredibly dope in that role. He just always finds powerful women uh, to play very, very prominent roles, and, and I love what he's been able to do.
1: Well, with that being said, let's get to the Certified Bucket of the Week.
2: Verified with our stamp of approval, it's the Certified Bucket of the Week.
1: My certified buck of the week is I'm gonna go with Powell. Um, he had a great NBA season. Um, the one thing that I loved uh, about watching his game, he was fundamentally sound. He understood the game, and most importantly, you noticed the connection he had with Kobe. Like on the court, mm-hmm. um, you could tell that they they just understood each other with with fundamentals, and that's that's what's most important. And I, it's one coach that when I played overseas, he would would just talk about Powell so much, and his name's Craig Hodges. And I never got to meet Powell, and I, I doubt I probably ever meet him. But it felt like I knew him because Craig Hodges really um, would stay up late at night talking about him and Kobe. So shout out to him; he's my certified buck of the week. And most importantly, shout out to him for stepping up for Vanessa. You know, when when the situation happened with Kobe you can tell he's one of those people that's all that's around now to give her that foundation of, of friendship and something that's needed when somebody um you know dies in your family so shout out to him for being a good person man and laying that foundation not only for her but being being an inspiration to all of us to show us you have to be there for a friend
2: No I completely agree with that I think that you know Pal, him him and Kobe's relationship was yeah. um special you know Kobe Kobe didn't find, you know, camaraderie with a lot of guys. He was very much a loner, and he liked it that way. And it was right. very rare for him to um, be gra- very rare for him to gravitate towards people and to really make genuine bonds. and And he knew that came with the territory of being a killer on on the court. You know, it didn't leave him with many friends. It didn't leave him very popular. But him and Power really had a bond, and he called him his brother. And to see the way that him and his wife have really just constantly been there for vanessa and probably the hardest just most traumatic experience of her life um and honoring probably the the word that he gave his brother kobe bryant that if something ever happened to him that he would right. be there for his family is it's it's a beautiful thing to see and he's a man of his word and he's a good person and it's always good to see good things happen to good people for sure
0: and, and even even with all that aside i mean just killer on the court I mean, top five, top 10, maybe, in international players of all time. I don't know where you put him, but just what he was able to do, back to the basket, face up, eventually had to extend his his range out to the three, started hitting threes later on in his career, can't guard him anywhere, defensively stable as well. I mean, just just a really solid, uh, solid guy. I definitely approve that certified bucket of the week. Um, For me, my certified bucket, it's a little closer to home here, but the Nets... And that's just got lucky, man. I don't know how Cam Thomas... Slides to number 27 uh, in this draft, but he is a certified killer. I mean, was killing at LSU, averaged 23 points per game as a freshman. I think he led all freshmen uh, in college. Um, Summer League co-MVP, averaged 27, which is the most ever for anyone who played at least four Summer League games. Crazy. And then in his first preseason game, he's got Wayne Ellington guarding him. And Wayne Ellington, we know Wayne Ellington is is a veteran. You know what I'm saying? He's known for being able to play defense. And he just cooked the man. Cooked him 21 points in, in 22 minutes, um, hit crazy shots. He hit him with a hezy crossover step back, shot it right over him. Um, he, he he got by Anthony Davis. He he hit so many crazy shots.
1: Um it, And Lethal, correct me if I'm wrong, don't, don't you have a Cam Thomas story? Yeah, so Cam, I actually was one of his coaches at the academy two years ago. And um, he was playing a pickup game. And a lot of people were like, man, Cam, pass the ball. Cam, pass the ball. And I pulled him to the side. I said, "Man, if you're a bucket, keep getting buckets. You know what I mean? If, <laughs> if you're doing, if you're doing it within the offense, don't pass the ball. And if you guys notice, even the LSU, I mean, I I don't know. You probably know better than me because you're very good with the statistics, Chris. But this guy, he he doesn't really know what passing the ball means. He, but the one thing is, he's a terminator when it's time to get buckets. So shout out to my guy Cam, man. He's a. And another thing that people understand about, he's a good kid, man. He's yeah. He's a professional. He's been that way yeah. since Oak Hill. And um, I think he's going to be one of those guys in the NBA that's going to break a lot of records. Because what you saw was nothing compared to what All I right. know he's capable of, especially with his shiftiness, Chris. Like, you noticed, like like you said, he had guys on skates out there.
0: Yeah. And then on yeah. top of that, he's going to be learning from Kyrie, Kyrie. Irving, oh James goodness. Harden, yeah. Kevin yeah. Durant. It's a problem. Dave it's a problem. Like it,
1: It's crazy there. It's Steve crazy Nash, there. too.
0: Like, right. it's ridiculous, right. bro.
2: Some of the best. Some of the best. And speaking of the best, you can't talk the best in the WNBA without my certified bucket of the week. And that is the White Mamba herself. Oh, yeah. Diana Taurasi. Listen, oh, game yes. two, the Aces versus the Mercury. Now, the Aces got the best of them. Game one, it was 96-90, and I believe. And they needed this game two win to go into game three with the series tied. And Diana did what Diana had to do because 37 points, eight from 11 from the three, eight for 11 from the three, excuse me. She just went off. If this is the last time we ever get to see her play, she is going out with a bang. It is just astronomically just incredible what Mm. she can do night in and night out. The Aces are the number two seed. The Mercury's number five. And it looks like if Diana is playing at the speed that she is playing and she's going to continue, the Mercury are in for a <laughs> wild ride and it's going to be a good one for them. I'll yeah. tell you that much. The Aces do not want to see the Mercury with, with Diana Taurasi playing the way that she played in game two. It was absolutely incredible. I enjoyed watching it. Again, if you're not watching the W, Lethu can attest to this. They play fundamentally the best basketball Ever. And if you're not watching, then you're missing out. Period. Point blank. Yeah,
1: and, and it's crazy you say that because we said that last week. Now, everybody's like, they see the Chris Pauls buying on, doing all this stuff with the WNBA. I'm telling you, if you like fundamental basketball, if you like the understanding of the game, you want to watch the WNBA. And it's crazy because um when me and um, Skylar Dickens was training, um Diana joined on the other end. She wasn't training with me, but she joined the other end before Skylar. Went down Mm. there and and like I told you guys before, I was watching her shoot and I'm like, God damn, like the backspin on her ball, (laughs) how quick she gets to the seams, her footwork is really sharp. I I think she might have another two, three more years in her if she's around an offense that she doesn't have to take as much load because she has one of the most beautiful jump shots that I've ever seen in person. We
2: hope so. I mean, she also has baby number two on the way. Hey, um. so what? congratulations there wow. so she may be eventually wanting to step away from the game to be right. a mom and to enjoy her family life but so if sweet. she doesn't selfishly we kind of wish that she doesn't so right. Diana hang in there there's an
0: there's NFT I want. I need some NFTs of Diana Taurasi just yeah. killing her opponents because can't yeah. nobody got her
2: I also want some NFTs going back to that real quick of Erica Wheeler breaking people's ankles cause that's oh, sensational Lord. making people face <laughs> <Lord>. plant <Thanks. laughs> making people oh, face plant all right, guys. So that is a wrap for episode three of Certified Buckets. Clap it up. How you guys feeling?
0: Feel good. We getting up. You know what I'm saying? They said we hit, we hit our, our mid season form in the preseason. You feel me? So <laughs> we we got we got a step ahead.
2: <laughs> once we get once we get our nickname, we're we're in business.
0: That's it. That's all. That's all, that's all we need. It. Listen. We need we need. Yo, listen. If you're listening to this podcast and you have some nickname ideas, please tweet them at us you know what I'm saying DM us you know what I'm saying do whatever you gotta do we wanna hear you cause we, we struggling right
2: now that we are we're struggling with the nickname but also <laughs> while you go ahead and send us those nicknames make sure you do yourself and ourselves a favor and hit that subscribe button rate 5 stars drop a review if you're listening on Apple and again shoot your shot on social media Instagram Twitter <laughs> at certified buckets no vowels in the word buckets because we're too dope for all of that again Bye. do not shoot your shot at lethal me and chris are free game, so go These ahead if you feeling froggy then jump Let's but we want to hear from how you high? <laughs> how high do you want it it's we do want to hear from you so if you come correct you might just hear your next comment or that comment on our next show but facts. until then peace and we out